0: Good morning, everybody. Today, we're continuing our series in the book of Ephesians. And you guys have been going through uh, the book of Ephesians and talking about um, building the church and bringing the kingdom. And Ephesians really is about the the church and how the the, the church uh, builds the doorway for the kingdom of God. And so, we're going to continue that. Um, You guys might know a little bit about the book of Ephesians, but Uh, It's it's essentially a letter that Paul wrote in prison to a church in Ephesus, which is this port city in Turkey. Um, There are ruins there. Uh, If you wanted to go visit today, you could. If you're looking for a way to spend thousands and thousands of dollars, you could do that and book a trip. Um, But we're going to be in Ephesians 3 today, and um, Paul talks in Ephesians 3 about how there's one gospel for all people. That there's one gospel, one way, one truth for all people, and um, that it is all encompassing, all including. That um, the gospel uh, touches uh, ev- every culture, every background, every point of life. No matter what you've done in your past, uh, no matter no matter what um, you know, what you're you're wrestling with, the gospel applies to you. And the gospel um, is all-inclusive. It's open to everyone. Um, years ago, I spent the summer on a, on a mission trip in London. And uh, during my time there, I met a, uh, a guy from Iran. We were working on the, the street, and I met this guy from Iran. He's in his 20s. And um, this guy told me this story about... Um, him finding out about the gospel and basically uh, in his country he uh, went to a movie theater and that movie in the movie theater they were playing uh, Passion of the Christ which is like 15 years old now which is kind of crazy um, but they were playing Passion of the Christ and if you've seen the movie Passion of the Christ it really only like portrays 24 hours of Jesus's death and a little bit of his uh, of his resurrection it doesn't really give a whole lot of story there it's just it's just the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. And so he watched this, but as he watched it, God grabbed a hold of his heart, and he just, he started crying, and um, he, he, tears started streaming down his face, and he realized that, that this was true. He realized that in some way that this, this story was true, and, and by the end of the movie, he, he gave his life to Christ. By the end of that time, he gave his life to Christ. Now, you got to understand this guy came from a, um, a Muslim background. Um, he's in Iran, and, and, uh, and so coming to Christ means that he uh, could potentially be ostracized from his family. Um, he, could, he could be ostracized from his community. Um, he could even have a target on his back, be, uh, be a target to be, uh, to be killed. It was a big deal. When he surrendered his life to Christ, he gave up. Um, a lot. He abandoned the comfort and stability in his life to follow this God who he hardly knew. And so I was humbled as this guy. I sat with this guy, and he he was asking me questions about Jesus. Why did Jesus die? And I was just floored as this um, kid who had grown up in a pretty safe environment in America. And I remember when I came to, to faith, it was It was there was celebration there, and it was a safe thing. It it didn't cost as much as this as this guy. And so my thought was, who am I uh, to uh, to share this with this guy? But yet God set up that situation. There's something powerful about others being included in the family of God. You know, this world is is full of people who we think are unlikely candidates to be reached by the gospel. But God, again and again, shows His power by including people who are far from Him into His family, and their lives are forever changed. Like in this moment where I'm talking to this guy, I have a bigger sense of how powerful this gospel is, that it it cuts across all barriers, that there's truth in the gospel that applies to all people from all backgrounds. There's so much power in this gospel. What we find that Paul addresses here in Ephesians is that there is this all-powerful gospel. But one of the issues that we see is that there's a church that's divided. Um, we see that, that, that the church that, that shares this gospel, that there's division, um, that there's apathy, that the power that we, we see, and this applies to today, we, we don't see in our churches. Um, In Ephesians 2.22, he says, Paul says this: it says, In him, Christ, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I mean, I don't see this happening all over the place. There's a lot of division uh, in our churches today. We have this all-inclusive, life-changing gospel that binds us together. Um, But but for many people, they struggle to find a place to connect, to fit. They don't, they don't feel absorbed into community. And I've met a lot of people who've bounced from place to place but haven't found a place where they, 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 they feel absorbed or welcomed. Uh, before I signed on with, with CTK, um, I was looking all over the Northwest for, for an opportunity. I felt called to pastor, and so I'd just been talking with a lot of different people, and I talked to one district pastor who, um, it was interesting, he was a little discouraged about what he was seeing in his, in his churches. He, he said there was a lot of, um, a lot of dysfunction. And, and I remember I, I called him about one opportunity I saw, and he said, oh, oh man, uh, I don't want to send you there. Like they're, they're fighting over all the, the littlest stuff, there's families that have known each other for years that can't get along, like the, the meetings they're having, there's there's just visible anger, and I was thinking, thanks for the honesty. <laughs> I'll, uh, I, I'm not interested. Um, but, you know, if you really think about that, that's a, that's a difficult, um, that's a sad situation. I mean, what if you walked into that church, and these people who um, who professing Christ have so much division and, and animosity towards each other? you wouldn't want to come back, right? You wouldn't want to come back. The way that we live in community, it either supports the gospel or it denies the truth of the gospel. It's so important that the way that we live, the way that we treat each other, it either reflects the gospel or it doesn't. And and it can be a barrier to people knowing the forgiveness and the love of God when we don't live together in unity. It matters. The church in America has a well-documented history of division. Um, Natalia, who spoke last week, talked about the, you know the diversity and the struggles that we've had in our country to to overcome um, overcome a, you know homogeneous uh, churches. And we've had churches that have been based on age and culture, uh, race. Um, Martin Luther King once called 11 a.m. on Sunday morning the most segregated hour. In America. And the, the sad thing is, is that that trend still continues today. Um, in 2016, Lifeway Research found that 86% of churches in America still have one predominant racial group. That's not any better than other institutions. That's worse than other institutions in our society. These internal divisions, they don't fit with this all-inclusive gospel. If there's one God that that we're a part of his story, one God, one story, why are we experiencing so much division uh, in and among our churches? Why are we experiencing so much division, not just at a macro level, but at a micro level uh, with each other? Why is there no unity? So this leads me to a question, and this is what we're going to answer today in, in Ephesians 3. It uh, leads me to a question, how do we move from an inclusive gospel to a unified church? How do we move from a gospel that is inclusive, that's reaching out, that that heals to a, to a unified church? So I want to look at the first part of Ephesians 3. Paul says this, he says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. And this is the verse I want to focus on today. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So he would say that we're heirs together, that we're members together of one body, and we're sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So here Paul is explaining that the mystery of the gospel is that now everyone can be included into God's family. Um, no certain background or race uh, divides us, that we're all included in God's story through Jesus, that through Jesus, we can all experience God. We all have equal access. <laughs> and prior in the, in, in the Old Testament, the God story was, uh, was, was kind of f- channeled through Israel, channeled, channeled through the, the Jewish people. And so now that, that the Gentiles are being included, that was a little weird uh, for the Jews. You know, For centuries, this nation of Israel was the key figure in God's story. Uh, they were the, the hope of the world, but now, now everyone had equal access to God. It's like, it, it's like splitting the family inheritance with a long-lost cousin who you never saw. It's like, hey, what, what's the deal here? You know, this guy just gets to show up and, and share in this inheritance. And actually, the, the early divisions in the church centered around this, centered around um, um, the, this, uh, this idea of everybody's included now, that everyone, uh, that the Gentiles are included into uh, the family of God. And what happened for, for Jewish Christians back then is, is what they wanted to do was a both and, that they wanted uh, people not just to accept the gospel, but also to become Jewish in culture that they wanted those people to carry on the same traditions and customs. And the, the boiling point uh, was when they wanted uh, Gentile men to become circumcised. And then they put the hands up at that point. Okay, guys, we've got to talk about this, because that's, that's a little much. Um, yeah, I would, I would draw the line there for sure. Um, but that's, uh, w- what happened in these early days is that they failed to see that the gospel goes beyond culture. That it, it shapes our story and it, goes, it transcends our cultures and traditions. And so we're all on this equal access, equal, uh, have equal identity in, in Christ. And so that's what I want to share today is the reality that's explained here is that we are all invited into one shared identity in Christ. That the answer for the, our divisions is, is that we all live into one shared identity in Christ. Um, Paul spells that out here. He says, The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Jesus. That, that this, this is who we are now. It's not, oh, I'm primarily... I'm primarily a Jew, but I believe in the gospel. I'm primarily this, but I believe in the gospel. It's like, no, we, we're defined by this. This is God's story is now our story. In Christ, we all have this shared identity. So I want to look at, at what that looks like here in, in verse 6. What Paul, how Paul describes that identity. It's an identity that we're all invited into. There's no barrier to you, taking on this identity, when you follow Christ, this is is who you are. It says, first, we have a shared family. Paul says, we're heirs together with Israel. Um, Heir means that we all have the same dad. We all have the same dad, and he's a king, and we all have uh, a royal bloodline that we're a part of. When you come to know Christ, you're welcomed into this new family as a son and a daughter. Uh, you belong instantly. Um, there is no earning it or proving yourself that you, you belong instantly. You have a place at the table. And because of that, you belong to this new shared family that we we all are a shared uh, family. We have a shared inheritance um, that, that God gave us. And um, because of that, we our identity changes. And for some of us, one of the, the hard truths of Scripture is, is moving our allegiance to that new family. That this is who Christ has made you, and to to move your allegiance from um, from our own physical family to a new spiritual family. You know, Jesus repeatedly elevates this being a part of this new family um, over our own nuclear families, our our kids, our spouse, our parents. Um, there was one time where Jesus was teaching a crowd at a house when his mother and brothers showed up, and it says this, he said, it says, a crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus said, who are my, mother's, my, my mother and brothers? And then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and mother. It seems it's always seemed a little cold to me, um, but what what Jesus is saying here is that is that our identity is wrapped up into this family of God that's serving that's serving God here on earth that's that's loving God here on earth. That he wasn't saying that his family is not valuable and he doesn't care. He was saying that now we belong to to a spiritual family. And that what unites us is focusing on our identity as God's son or daughter through faith and obedience. You know, part of the, the breakdown of moving from an inclusive gospel to a unified church is when we isolate into our own nuclear families, when, our, when, when we care um, so much about our, our nuclear families that, that that becomes the story and that the, the gospel, our relationship with Christ, becomes an add on or something to support that. And what, what Jesus is saying is that your primary allegiance has to be to me. Your primary allegiance has to be to me. And so he touches these core issues, uh, these core uh, relationships that we have. And he said, at the end of the day, what matters is, is your relationship with me. And isolation is a is a tendency that we all have. and And I get it as a as a married father of three is that sometimes you feel like you don't get enough time with your with your wife and your kids and that's that's uh that's not exactly the 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 point of what God's trying to make it's not that we would love um love our families any less is that we would love God and that would change the way that we love our families that would change the way we think about our families that the point of life moves from from uh, seeking our family's happiness first and foremost to, to seeking God's will for our lives. That we would, we would be so committed to this Jesus thing that we would be willing to, to um, put on the, on the, uh, the back burner our, our family's happiness to serve God's will. Because without thinking about it, our family life can become the main story of our lives. Um, Jesus was pretty clear when he said in Matthew, um, "If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple." And that's strong language. And he doesn't mean to literally hate. He means that I want you to love me so much that it that that in comparison, those relationships would almost look like hate, but between how much you love me. And of course, we we need to love and care for our families, and God's given us that task, but what he's saying is that family is, is, when you follow Jesus, family is no longer the main point of your life, but he is. What I find that's cool is that Jesus, following Jesus, changes the way that we operate as families. It's just that our thinking needs to shift. Um, and as a family, when we're all in on Jesus, it, it, it changes the way uh, that, that God's able to, uh, to work in us. And um, there's a cool story. Uh, we have close family friends that um, five years ago, six years ago, uh, they felt called to adopt this sibling group of five, which is a big deal. They were a family of four, and they felt that God was calling them to, uh, to adopt this sibling group of five, and they, uh, they prayed about it as a family, and they, they adopted this group, and it was chaos in the beginning, as you could imagine, as they're trying to navigate relationships and feelings. Um, and they worked so hard. It changed the way they live. They went from uh, a sedan to a, a you know 15 passenger Econoline. Um, you know they they changed the way that they they did everything. Uh, we went camping with them, and it was almost like a military style. Like every kid had a role, and they had you know they had everything planned out. The kids ate fast, cleaned fast. Like it was it was pretty pretty cool. Uh, but this family, they had some pushback from from good natured people in their churches. People who said, hey, why are you doing this? Don't you know that this will mess up uh, your two kids' lives by doing this? That this, would, this will affect everything. And, and they, it's not that they didn't feel that pressure. They did. Um, but, but the church was, there were some people that were, were pushing back on that. And um, they went through some difficult times and they had to make some adjustments. It was a sacrifice for their two kids. There's no denying that. We got to go visit their family uh, just this over the the fall, and it was just really cool uh, to see uh, what God was doing. There was so much love in this room, um, in in their home. You know, we have three kids, so we just added our three to their seven, and it was just like this mess of ten kids running around. Um, But it was like a party. Like everybody was loving each other and caring for each other. The coolest thing about being there was hearing... His oldest daughter uh, talk about uh, adoption, and she said, "You know what? When I when I grow up, I want to adopt too. In fact, I don't even know if I want to have my own kids." Like I, I, she saw just how how their their uh, move to adopt had changed the lives of all of these kids, and uh, it had changed the thinking in in, in their own kids, and, and could have an effect over. Generations and generations. That's pretty cool. Um, so it's not that it's not that um, our allegiance to um, our fam- um, allegiance to God's will uh, means that we our family's not happy. It means that our family will be happy and free when we submit to God's will. And our identity in Christ that leads us to to be this shared family, and to view others um, as God's children. That, that not, just, not just our family is special, that, but that other people are special. Like it creates compassion and love in us. So that's, that's one thing, is that when we, uh, when, when we uh, come to know Christ, we're invited into this shared family. Um, but we don't just have a shared family. Uh, we also have a shared purpose. Paul says that we are members of one body, the body of Christ. You know, in a body, each part serves the whole. Each part serves the whole. That they all, we all work together, like, seamlessly. Like, I don't think Eric knew he had an Achilles tendon until he didn't have an Achilles tendon. Um, like, we, we're all supposed to work together seamlessly. We're useless on our own, but we're meant to be grafted in this one body, it's the body of Christ. But we're supposed to fulfill the mission of Christ as the body of Christ. And in in the body, that means no one is expendable. There are no parts that are expendable. Every part has value. We can't be healthy without all of the parts working properly together. Um, Paul explains this in Romans 12. He says this, he says, For by the grace given given me, I say to every one of you, to all have a role and a, and a place at the table. We're supposed to, to, to work together in unity. And when we work together, it's a beautiful thing. We can accomplish so much more uh, for God together than we can apart on our own. But um, what's cool about this is that this type of unity is profound in every culture. Every culture, this type of unity is is profound, this working together, this interdependence, this, this submission to each other, this serving. I think key to it is this. He, he war- Paul warns us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And so to live out this shared uh, purpose in Christ, to live in unity, that means uh, our idea of self-importance and self-concern needs to fall, that we actually need to, to humble ourselves and uh, somebody put it well as in, in leadership, like, we, we don't want to be leaders who serve, we want to be servants who lead. Whatever God has given you control over, whatever God has called you to lead, you're a servant first. And so Paul is, is saying that's what, what, what we need to be to be integrated into the family of God, is that first we need to have a, a, a real idea of who we are, that we're a part we're not the whole. The body doesn't serve us. We serve the body. I think this is, what makes this difficult is that we live in a culture that really likes control. We, we really like control. We like control over our own life. Uh, we like control over our career, uh, our finances, our family. We, like con- we want control over our future. Uh, we have insurance for everything every possible little thing. I mean, if you travel, like the insurance you can buy is like ridiculous. Um, you can buy insurance for everything. Um, but when we're we when we're a part of the body of Christ, uh, we surrender control. Um, we have this God-given role to play. So we surrender um, our plans or, or our kingdom to serve a greater kingdom. Um, this was... Pretty uh, pretty cool illustration came from this group of people um, called the Jesuits. Um, the Jesuits were a group of people that came out of the Catholic Church way back in the 1500s, and they started possibly one of the most successful organizations of all time. Um, over hundreds of years, uh, they they started uh, tons of uh, Jesuit missions, uh, schools, hospitals. They did tons of research. They advanced medicine. Um, and, and they did this in 112 different countries. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. And they, they shared the gospel uh, wherever they went. But they had this motto that, that tied everything together for them. Um, t- their motto was this. They said, hold life with an open hand. We need to hold life. We need to hold our plans. We need to hold everything we have with an open hand so that God can use it. Uh, if we're willing to do that, God will do more with our lives than we could ever dream. If we're really willing to not hold on to control, and we're willing to be a part of the, of the body of God, and, or body of Christ and not the whole, God can use that to advance His kingdom for great things. You know, we need to continue to pray that, not my will, but your will be done. And we do that together. When we do that together, we, we live into that identity of being one body. So, so the final part of our shared identity is this, shared promise. We've talked about being a shared family. Uh, we've talked about um, being, having a shared purpose. And we're, now we're going to talk about living into the shared promise. Paul calls us shares together in the promise of Jesus. So what it means when when you find Jesus is that you have an equal share into the promises of Jesus. That you have promised to you new life here. That your life will look completely different here as God changes you from the inside out. And then eternal life there. That that you're going to live forever with Him. We have an equal share in the promises of Jesus. Later on, Paul says, in Christ we have... Unsearchable riches. We have unsearchable, unfathomable riches. And that's true. Like if you were to sit down and write a list of all of the promises of God, um, I think we'd all be overwhelmed. That we receive through Him forgiveness for all of our sins. Uh, We receive uh, His never ending love. Uh, We have His Spirit living in us, changing us. Uh, We have uh, all the provision that we need. We have a God that cares and we have eternal life. Those are just a start of the unsearchable riches that we have in Christ. And God includes everyone into the wealth of those promises. That we, when you accept him, that you receive this, these unsearchable riches. I think the breakdown is when we forget that we have them. When we forget, man, I, you know, God, you've given me so much, but we easily forget or come to believe that those aren't for us that the, that's where the problem lies um, when that happens we we, uh, we can turn on, on each other we can become insecure um, realizing uh, our realizing where we're at we can compare ourselves to those around us um, you know years ago when I was a uh, when I was a college student I had some friends went to a really cool church, you know, really hip. We're, we're a cool church, but this one was, you know, really cool. Um, no, um, but what I, when I visited this church, um, everybody was, like, dressed to the nines, okay? Like, everybody was dressed to the nines. Um, you know, like, it, it was, like, super tight jeans, rips all over, you know, that was, that was what was cool then. I don't know if that's changed. Sweet hair, shades, all of it, um, you know, it's like a church full of models, you know? And, uh, but when I, what I realized is my friends who went to this church, they were always buying clothes. They were always buying clothes. We had friends who were like uh, maxing out credit cards uh, to, to buy clothes. We had, I had a friend who would um, buy jeans and customize them himself. He would, he would take a file and scuff them up, and then he would like put them in mud like several times just because, you know, he's doing it on a budget, you know, he's being wise. But he would... You know, he would, um, you, you know he would, he, he'd spend so much time doing this. Those things are pretty trivial, right? Those things are trivial. And we, when we forget our unsearchable riches that we have in Christ, we can get stuck on really trivial things. Uh, we can be unwise in what we pursue. We can, we can cave to com, um, consumerism in comparing each other. And so when we, when we realize what we have in Christ, it should bring us together. It should create grace in our hearts. When you realize that the same stuff that you've been given has been given to this other person, you can just be grateful. You can do nothing but be grateful for what you've been given. Because none of this is earned. It's all given. And when we realize that, that's when we can be inclusive. That's when we can lay aside our preferences or consumerism and come together and connect with God we give up these little things that that uh, we get hung up on we can rest in God's promises we can we can rest in God's promises and not get caught up in the hamster wheel of life and trying to keep up with everybody else so how do we move from from an inclusive gospel to a unified church we fully embrace our one shared identity in Christ. If everyone, if we all see uh, Christ as our number one uh, source of identity, it would change everything. When all these other pieces of our lives take too much space uh, in who we are, then that's what creates division. Um, Team, you can come on up. You know, I think back to my um, Iranian friend who came to Christ. And he literally gave up everything he had, everything about who he previously was, uh, to follow Jesus. Jesus became his identity. What I had to do with that is ask myself, what have I given up to follow Christ? What in me have I given up to follow Christ? It doesn't look that extreme. And so this morning, I want us all to examine our hearts. What What do we need to give up? in order to follow Christ in order to live into a shared identity maybe it's something maybe it's a hurt that we've we've had maybe we need to realize the forgiveness that we've experienced in Christ and extend that forgiveness to someone else maybe it is maybe it has something to do with our family maybe we've we've focused so much on them we've failed to prioritize time with with Christ And our first step is taking a step in in spending time in in God's Word, seeking God on a daily basis, prioritizing that time. Where are the, the places where you feel division even in your own life? How can the gospel change those places? How can knowing that you're a son or daughter of God, that you're a member of the body of Christ, that God's given you everything you need, how can that change the way that you view your situation right now? the way that we treat other people. God has richly blessed us as his people. And my prayer for us today is as we go into this week, my prayer is that we would realize what we've been given in Christ, that we would live into our identity uh, in Christ and, and surrender those things that get in the way, that get between us. And that maybe it's just a step of being brave. Maybe it's pride that's keeping us back from getting to know people or fear. Maybe we're afraid to take that step into community. Maybe you've been thinking about uh, joining a small group for a while, but you just, you've been afraid um, to be exposed or be vulnerable. And maybe God's asking you to lay that aside. When the church works together, it's a beautiful thing. When, when we really become the body of Christ, uh, it's, it's a be- it makes a beautiful statement to our world that the gospel is not only true, uh, it's desirable that people would would surrender their lives to christ and and become absorbed into our community um, that's the that's the goal that's the inclusive uh, gospel um, that changes the church and my prayer is that that for us that that would be our experience let's pray god i'm I'm thankful for you I'm thankful that that you change everything, God. That in Jesus we have everything that we need. That you change us from from the inside out. That you there's no one, God, in no in in no situation or circumstance that you can't touch, God. That you can't change, and Lord, I pray that that uh, we would be a people that would share that story, God, a story of of your love, acceptance, and forgiveness, God. Uh, a a uh, people that would share a story of, of unity and, and live this out together, God. So I pray if there are things in our lives, God, that, that are keeping us from experiencing this identity in you, God, if we've forgotten that we're a son or daughter of you, if we haven't realized what, what that even looks like, God, would you speak to us this morning? God, would you speak to us where you're at? God, and you tell us, Father, remind us that we're a son. you're a daughter. Um, God, remind us of, of your love that would transform us, God. Lord, help us to prioritize our relationship with you, God. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.